Hey, Jeff Johnston here, host of the Living Undeterred podcast. Once again, I have a stellar guest. I'm, I'm super excited. Uh, I've, I've met Jordan a few times, talked to him a little bit, um, been watching what he's been doing, and I thought I got to get this guy on the show. Uh, Jordan Montgomery, welcome to the Living Undeterred podcast. Uh, I have I, I, no doubt you and I are going to go down a lot of different uh, holes today, so this will be a fun show. Well, thanks for having me, Jeff. I'm a fan of your work and what you stand for and the things that you're doing in this world. And so uh, it's just an honor to share a conversation with you. Yeah. I'm back at you, Jordan. I mean, you exude such positivity and such a great reframing ability. I've been following your story as well. And um, you seem to be helping a lot of people. Let me throw out the first kind of question or observation, but um, in the space that you work in uh, every day, do you consider yourself more of a life coach or a motivational speaker type individual? Where do you think you, you would, you know, which side of the fence do you think you lay on? Yeah, I would say this, man. I, I think I'm a strategic partner and friend. Okay. Folks. And I think I'm a strategic partner who speaks. And so, you know, most of our work is centered on leadership development and organizational health. And so if people are trying to expand their influence uh, or move the needle grow results in their personal or professional life, usually they're a good fit to work with us. So that's a pretty broad uh, definition. Um, but we get involved in so many different uh, types of work with different types of people that uh, at the end of the day, it's about adding value. It's about supporting, connecting, and advocating for the people that we get to represent and work with. So good question, but I would answer it as, a, I, I would probably define myself more than anything as a strategic partner and coach who also speaks. Yeah, that's a good answer. Um, so are you, do you have actual clients then that you work with individually or do you work in more group environments? I mean, do you have individual uh, relationships or is it more group based? Yes, I, I wear a few different hats. Uh, so there's 18 people on the Montgomery Company's team and they all do coaching and speaking work. And so part of my job is to grow our team and develop the team and make sure they're getting what they need. Uh, then a, a big part of our work is coaching, both individual coaching and group coaching. So uh, I think we have 20, I've got 22 individual clients that I work with. And that's usually, usually, you know, it's deeper work. It's broader scale. Again, I sort of just consider myself to be a strategic partner to those mm -hmm. 22 individuals. And then there's a number of organizations and companies that I work with in the world of sports and business, where it's more of a group coaching scenario. And then the final part of my work is keynote speaking. And so, you know, I'll speak maybe just under a hundred times this year between virtual work and in-person work. Um, but yeah, that's kind of the, that's kind of the makeup of the, of the roles and responsibilities. How'd you get here, man? Oh man. You know, it's probably, you know, it's, um, uh, <laughs> a lot of twists and turns, but I, I really, I really do believe this. Somebody said this to me the other day, man. I thought, wow, that just really resonates. They said when it's dark and you're going through something difficult, sometimes you feel like you've been buried but you've actually been planted. Hmm, and the reality is I just went through some twists and turns and lived through some dark moments in life that ultimately allowed me to do the work that I do today. So the short story is this. I, I was 27 years old. I was leading in a financial services firm. So we have that in common, just that, that background. Right. Love that work. Honorable work. Great industry. Met so many wonderful people. And you know bits and pieces, I think, of my story, Jeff, but um, 27 years old and things are going well. So mm -hmm. I've got, you know, a, a decent amount of influence for a young man. I mean, I, or so I thought, you know, I'm leading a team of about 50 people. 
starting to speak around the country as a result of some of the the work that we'd done in that space. And um, I was sort of in this proverbial penthouse, you know, like making really good money for a young guy. Thought I had, you know, influence and I, I had decent access to different events and people. And so, so I had this issue though. I was overexposed and I was underdeveloped. Hmm. In other words, uh, my character wasn't keeping pace with my responsibility or influence. Right. And I say that because I was just running really, really hard and really, really fast in the direction of achievement, accomplishment, reward, status. Yep. Like that just kind of became an idol in my life. You know, I was just I was just living for it. And I was willing it became to became an addiction in a way, right? Addicting. Yeah, totally. It's addictive. Yeah. And so and so I just became addicted to twelve to fourteen hours a day, whatever it took to get to the next level. And I you know, the crazy part is I don't even know what I was chasing. Um, like I had, isn't that funny? <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. Yep. Right? An addiction will do that. Yeah. So, so 27 years old, I get a call from my manager partner says, Hey, I need to talk to you. And I was so naive, Jeff, that I was actually, uh, annoyed at the request. I was like, man, I got, I got clients to see today. I got things to do. And he said, this is one of those meetings where you clear the calendar. And I thought, Oh man, like, uh, somebody on my team must've really messed up. Couldn't be me. Mm-hmm. Walked into his office. Um, he said, hey, Jordan, love you. I care about you. Um, you haven't been intentional, but you've been casual. And when you're casual, you create casualties. And today you're the casualty. Yeah. It's the last day with our firm. And just like that, everything changed. Um, I like that. A yeah. team member of mine took a test. It was a, it was a CE, continuing ed, internal CE. I didn't report it. And um, he found out about it. Uh, but he said, more importantly, your pace is just not healthy. Right. Um, and he didn't say it that way, but what he was saying is you're underdeveloped and overexposed. You're going too far, you know, too, too hard, too fast. Mm-hmm. I lose my job with that. I lost a lot of money. I was involved in some real estate deals that went sideways as a result of my job status. So I go literally from the penthouse to the outhouse. Um, the company yeah. sends out a company wide email to all the other managing partners, very public. I get about 3000 messages in 24 hours. I don't respond to any of them go through a really intense period of anxiety. Uh, and in that process, um, you know, God revealed some things and taught me some things. I think he does his best work in the desert. I was in the desert for sure. Uh, met my now wife in that, in that desert. Um, she had two kids from a previous marriage, Audrey and Claire. So I got to become a husband at the same time. I became hmm. a dad, which is a really cool story. Yep. And I was actually recontracted by that same company, different territory. But in that recontracting process and in that new season of life, I looked at my wife and I said, I think we could start a coaching business. And I, I, want, I still want to do the financial planning thing, but I feel like I feel like I could do some coaching and, and speaking and developing. And man, one thing led to another, got open doors. Here we are six years later with a few thousand clients and um, it's our full-time passion and work. So that's a, that's a short story long, but that's, that's sort of how we got here. Now you, you spend a lot of time in the athletic space, um, being a past athlete, where did that help you in your entrepreneurial vision? You know, what's so funny, Jeff, is the, the work that we do in business is so similar to the work that we do in sports. Mm-hmm. And, and it's also, that's why I asked the question. Cause I, I knew the answer. <laughs> that's right. It's so similar. It's like, man, it's right. EQ, it's leadership, it's emotional intelligence, yep. it's communication. Um, but I would say this, learning to lose, uh, you know, anybody can lead when things are going well. Yeah. Learning to lead through pain or loss 
um, teamwork, connectivity, empathy, um, communication, all, all that, you know, is part of, is part of what I learned growing up in the world of sports and, and it's our life's work today. So yeah, it helped, it, it helped tremendously shape us into, into the leaders that are, you know, delivering on this work today. I mean, if you look at, for those that know my story with our son, when he passed away, my other son, Ian leaned into this chaos and just really engulfed, embraced golf. And we, as a family, I know I did, um, I just got some solace and some peace to walk around that course for four or five hours. Even when he missed a two foot par putt and I grimaced, um, there was a sense of wholeness there. Like, um, I don't know. I just felt really at good on the golf course and to have no other parents with me to just be walking, you know, most times my cell phone turned off cause most teams wanted that way was great. And so I think golf for us, and I know in our family, it's five chapters in my book. Um, it became really a platform, a foundation to build a stronger life. And, you know, none of us want to just survive. And I think that's one of the things I'm trying to teach or, or not, I hate the word teach, but I mean, show people intentionally that we don't want to survive. We want to thrive. We, we want to keep challenging ourselves, even at 56 and, and what I've been through. It's like that can either define me negatively or can give me an opportunity to keep learning. And so, and that, that story resonates in your story as well, because, you know, you could have given up, you could have became an alcoholic or you could have um, got angry and blamed everybody around you for what happened to you. But you just kind of said, you know what? Things either happen to me or things happen for me. And Jordan, you were the epitome of now this door opened up. What am I going to do with it? And I think there's lessons to be learned in all these stories. And I think that's what I've learned on my journey. Jordan is, is being vulnerable, isn't a narcissistic journey. So people can hear about me, but it, it gives people permission to crack that door of vulnerability and share their pain, share, say, I'm an alcoholic too. I'm addicted as well. I, I considered suicide last week. It's okay to talk about these things. We don't do that as a society. And I, I will say one thing though, I'm older than you. My generation never talked about this stuff mm. ever. I'm guessing your generation is much better, but Gen Z is the best. Mm. Gen Z wears their emotions on a sleeve. This is the first time in history that a generation has listed, listed the number one New Year's resolution as mental health, and it's Gen Z. Mm. And it's basically 10, 11-year-olds all the way up to 26. And that's the future of our country. They're a third of the world's population, almost 3 billion, 3 billion people. So it's like, it's exciting to see the youth today saying, you know what? We are a little messed up, but you know what? You adults, we're open. Show us the way. Come on. You know, that's the opportunity for us out there. And it's such a huge opportunity. And, and, I, and I think it, not, it doesn't just speak to the, to the mental health crisis um, in, in, in really tackling, you know, that, that issue, which is such a big part of what you do. Jeff, and I have so much respect for the work that you're doing through, you know, uh, living undeterred. But I think it's also, a, it's a leadership principle. You know, it's like, mm. if you really want to connect with other humans, we, we say it like this, like you can impress with your strength, you connect through your struggle. And how mm. often do we go around yep. telling people about all the things that we've done well or do well, and we show the highlight reel on social media. It's like, right. hey, let me, let me impress you with all these, all this stuff, right? Right. Um, but if you really want to connect with other humans, you talk about the hard stuff. 
Yeah. And, um, and there's that idea that you just talked about that vulnerability begets vulnerability. If, if I'm yeah. vulnerable with you, it allows you to be vulnerable with me. And that's what creates human connection. And in a world that can all too often be fake, artificial and inauthentic, man, when somebody shows up as real and says, Hey, this is my stuff. This is who I am. These are the mistakes that I've made. This is what I've been through. That's why you're so effective in your leadership journey is because you're like, I knew even coming to this conversation today, like, Hey, Jeff and I, Jeff Johnson and I, we're gonna have a real conversation today. Mm. We're gonna talk about stuff that matters in a real way with our heart on our sleeve and people buy that. I think now more than ever today, people want to be a part of movements and initiatives and conversations um, that are authentic. So I just wanted to give you a shout out, man, for being that type of a leader. And I know that probably didn't happen for you overnight, but you've done such a good job of putting your struggle on on display and just being authentic in, in your in your work. And man, I, I commend you for that. Well, thanks. I, I have, as you, a great team of um, people in my life that reach out to me. I've had some very tough times um, just as recently as last Christmas, not the one we just finished, but the one before mm-hmm. I had my first brush with suicidal ideation, which was terrifying. Um, after all I've been through, you think I would have considered that, uh, but, but it never crossed my mind until just, you know, less than a year. And, you know, uh, and it was terrifying, Jordan. It was absolutely terrifying that Mr. Living Undeterred, you know, podcast, author, RV guy, you know, looking like bulletproof dude, I knew it took me seven seconds to get to my safe and then my life. Um, and so I took from that, what did I learn? Why did I get myself in this situation? And there's a relatable story for people. I let my guard down, you know, and, and you can probably in your life, Jordan, find scenarios of your life where you can say, yeah, I got a little overconfident, you know, <laughs> I thought maybe I could lift too much weight at that point. I was, and that's what happened to me. I got yeah. mentally overconfident. And so I try to tell that story. Um, in the best way I can to make it relatable. I'm not looking for empathy or sympathy. That ship has sailed years ago. Let me ask you a question. How do we empower kids to be more autonomous today, to self-assess where they're at and to make their own, you know, decisions and be accountable and improve their lives? Because you spend a lot of times with high school and college athletes. I see a lot of your posts and you're always doing these presentations, but how do you get them to pivot to actually you walk out of the room, you get in your car, you go home and now they have to start. Jordan's not there to help them. How do we do that? I think it starts with identity, right? I mean, and it starts with what you praise and how you encourage and how, how you advocate for people, because I, I think we have a problem. Our culture has a problem where we tend to prioritize and praise the do over the who. And this happens mm. in organizations all across America. I mean, you think about like a Monday morning meeting, right? So right. team huddles and they get together right. and they review the week before. And, and what happens in most organizations is they talk about who did the most, right? Or who did a great job. And so take yep. out of the room, here's what we did last week as a team, or here's what we're doing right now. And right. Jane, you did a great job. And Joe, you did a great right. job. John, you did an awesome job. And just keep everyone else feels terrible. <laughs> and yeah, and like, so it doesn't help the other people around. But but what really right. happens is what we're doing is we're feeding, we're feeding identity in the wrong area. We're we're making identity about results and achievement and accomplishment. And very few times are we pulling people to side and say, you know what, Jeff, I really appreciate this part of who you are. Right. You got this gift of authenticity that is so attractive like you you do a great job of wearing your heart on your sleeve letting people know where you're at 
And I want you to know that that gift of yours, who you are, has allowed you to do what you're doing. And maybe right. it's not the gift of authenticity. It might be the gift of humor or the gift of curiosity, right. the gift of empathy, right. right? But it's like, how do we continue to, to speak to who people are and prioritize the who over the do? So that's one. Um, I, I love, love hearing it. the study. There was a study, Harvard Business Review conducted a study, 4,000 recent college graduates who had all graduated from college and then quit their job within the first 12 months. So they took a job and then they quit. And mm-hmm. All from different backgrounds, different walks of life. They gave them 10 reasons. So it's a kind of a multiple choice thing. Why'd you quit? Was it lack of pay, lack of culture, lack of autonomy, lack of upward mobility? Why did you quit? 79% had the same leading answer. The leading answer for 79% of these 4,000 recent college graduates was a lack of appreciation. Hmm. They didn't feel seen and they didn't feel noticed. And relationally and socially, our number one need as humans is to feel seen and to feel known. Right. How do we make people feel ne- uh, known and seen? Well, it's certainly not talking about how many touchdowns they scored or how right. many deals they made or how many deals they right. closed. It's yep. talking about who they were created to be. It's talking about the, the gifts and really focusing on who people are. So we, we say it like this, Jeff, for leaders or for anybody that wants to empower today's youth. Here's the four words we need to remember. I notice you matter. I notice who you are. You matter to me. I notice, mm-hmm. you know, what you do. You matter to us. I notice. I see you. I notice and you matter. And I think mm-hmm. if we're on repeat with today's youth, with I notice and you matter, and we're having those conversations often, man, we're, we're going to lead a different type of generation. And it's incumbent upon us uh, as leaders to, 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 to be that way with the people who are of the next generation. I, I believe that to be true. Yeah, I, I love that, the way you unwrap that, unpackage that. Um, and I think, again, as, as leaders in our own industries, you know, you and I both um, and all the people that we speak with, it's imperative that we can translate this information to the next generation because these are the next futures, you know, leaders and coaches and parents and uh, those important positions in society. But it's like, you know, for me, then there's the distractions. There's the the sidetracks, the, 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 um, the exits that people go on like addiction, uh, and you know, the things that substance abuse, um, you know, um, labels that are, people are given diagnosis from physicians that can somehow hold people back. You know, my son was told he had attention deficit disorder, and that was probably the worst thing you could have said to him. Uh, you could have just said you have attention deficit and stopped at that, but we didn't, we added the word disorder. So I'm on this crusade where I'm really trying to just you know what? I heard someone once say in the mental health space says, you know, if you're afraid of your problems, wait to see the solutions. Mm. And I got to thinking about that. Isn't that so true? We take a kid as 15 that's looking out the window. that's thinking about something that they probably should not be thinking about because they're in math class. When I was 15, I didn't think about math class in math the other way around. Um, and, and, and we sent them to a doctor because they are foot shakes and they, 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 they talk fast and okay. You and I both probably do that, Jordan. Um, and we, we sent them to a doctor. Doctor says, yeah, I think there's an issue here. Uh, the kid has attention deficit disorder. And we start down this horrendous path of self-criticism and lack of confidence because somebody told them they had something that they weren't obligated to believe. You're not obligated to believe a diagnosis from anybody, unless it's 
something like, you know, when I'm, you know, stage four cancer or something, but most things are pretty subjective. Right. You know? Right. Um, and so I don't know where I went off on that. It's an example of my beautiful attention deficit, but <laughs> the reality, the reality is reframing is such a powerful thing. And I think what we do to kids today as a society, especially when it comes with diagnosis and labels is criminal, absolutely criminal. Totally agree. Again, it gets back to identity, right? We make that part of their identity. Right. Um, his identity, his identity, yeah. Jordan was, if he didn't take Adderall, he would eat his friends at midnight. Yeah. He'd be a werewolf. Yeah. That was his identity. Once a doctor told him he had a disorder and what I missed was the chance as a dad to step in. But you know what? I, I was like a young Jordan. I was out there trying to make money, trying to travel the world. I was buying things. I was living that life that I missed. So I don't torture myself with regret, but everybody watching this podcast, we can look in hindsight. We can't change the past, but we certainly can change our future, right? That's right. Amen. Yeah, well said. And, and you know, it's at the end of the day, man, like look at the work you're doing now. I mean, I, I think you're, you are, you use the word, I think, crusade. Like mm -hmm. you're on a mission, man. This is like, this is big time. I see you traveling the world and uh, really giving your heart to this. I don't know what the heck I'm doing half the time, man. I, I just beautiful. don't. It's just, I just, you know? I, if I stop, I think I'm, I think I won't exist. I just, I'm terrified of ever. And it's not just like, you know, and you can relate to this. You were in that, that, um, treadmill. We just couldn't stop because you were chasing something that something had, mm. you know, mon money or fame or something. I don't know what I'm chasing. That's my problem. I'm like, I don't know what I'm chasing and I don't know if, what I do if I ever caught it, you know? Yeah. Well, I think and that in itself is, it's liberating, it's exciting, but it's also terrifying. Mm. I don't have it. I don't have an end game. I don't, I don't, someone said, what's your end game? And I said, my end game is to have it. The, the question that most people say is, what is your end game, Jeff? And I say, if what we were doing was working, I wouldn't be doing any of this. Mm. The problem is. There is no answer to that question. What's your end game? I have to reframe it as a statement. And my statement is if what we were doing was working, I wouldn't be doing any of this. And it's true. And you look at your job yeah. preparing the next leaders. You know, if the current leadership methods were working, we'd have a society full of leaders, right? Well, that's right. We don't. Yeah. <laughs> so we need people like you out there demonstrating, showing, living that lived experience as a leader yourself that other people can aspire to be leaders as well, especially our children. Well, and don't you think so much of your fire that burns inside you comes from your own past experience? Oh yeah. So, you know, I, I just think, you know, often your yep. deepest, your deepest hurt becomes your greatest ministry. Um, it should be right. It should be. It should be. It should be. But, but, you know, again, I hate to even bring this up because everybody's different. Um, I got to be careful how I, how I say this, not to sound disparaging, but in the case of, let's say death, somebody you care about dies. Yeah. That can be tremendous inspiration, right? But for many, for the majority, it's, it's a reason to go down those roads of despair. And that's why we have the deaths of despair, mm. suicide, alcohol, drug overdose, 850, Americans a day die from the deaths of despair mm. a day. And that just, it, 
man, if you think about this for a minute, Jordan, 850 a day die mm. from diseases of despair. Okay. Preventable. Every one of those, these, these aren't car accidents. These aren't stage four cancers. These are preventable deaths. And that's the death statistic. Mm. You don't have to die to destroy a family. That's right. Think of the millions of families out there, Jordan, that their sons and daughters haven't overdosed. Their moms and dads haven't outdrank themselves to death. Their families haven't had suicide, but it's lurking. It's on the front doorstep. It's knocking on the back door. That's my fire, man. It's like, I want to try to prevent any living human to ever have to go through what I went through the last six years of my life. And yet if they do, they can be coming out of it better. Not bitter. Yeah. Well said. Love you know, where it comes from, dude, I don't know. And you know what? Yeah. I just want more of it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I just well, I want more of it. That's <laughs> like we talked about, right? I mean, it's easy to lead when things are going well. It's harder to lead when they're not. Yeah. And, um, you know, I commend you on stepping into the gap on, and, and, and by the way, a hard issue to tackle, you know? Um, oh, yeah. Because I was an alcoholic myself and a gambling uh, addict. Hmm. So not only was I trying to, help like my wife when Seth died, but it's like, I was imploding myself. And, and, you know, I, I think I saw one of your podcasts that you did with, um, uh, I want to say an MBA coach. Would that be right? Uh, could have been. Yeah. Which, uh, I saw a good podcast you did and they were talking about, you know, when there's turbulence on a plane, you don't take your mask and put it on your kids. Right. Put it on your that's the, that's what you and I would do, you know, our thought, but the reality is what good are you to your kids if you're dead? Yeah. So self-care just kind of now for me and, and I know for you it's important, but I have to work on this hard every day, man, every day. And I tell people that follow me, don't take shortcuts. You know, almost cost me my life last Christmas. Yeah. You know, right, man, well, here's what I wish. I wish there were more Jeff Johnston's in the world that would take their story, their hurt, and use it for something good because people say stuff like, so this gets thrown around, right? You hear this. So people say adversity builds character. Mm -hmm. And while I believe that can be true, that sentence by itself, I, I don't think it is true. I think that's BS. Yeah. Here's the rest of the sentence. Adversity builds character if you allow it to. Because mm. I've seen a lot of people that hit adversity Right. Continue to live in adversity. You know? uh, yeah, me too. And so it's not like, yep. it's like there still has to be a choice. There has to be a cognitive choice. Yeah. I'm going to use what happened to me or what I went through for good, for my good or for right. good of others or both. Right. And I'm, I'm going right. to choose to fail forward and to live undeterred and to make it my mission to help other people. And you, again, you've done that. It, it's you hit adversity and you chose Jeff Johnson made a choice to move forward and your deepest hurt became your greatest ministry. And look at all the amazing work that you're doing today. So, um, it's a choice. Do you think, um, we undervalue the benefit intrinsically of giving? Like, like, do we not emphasize enough that if you really want to make your life better, give more? Oh. And I don't mean financially. I don't mean financially. You know what I mean? It, it's give like, Go do something actionable to improve the lives of other human beings and don't ask for anything in return. Yeah, I, I think the word that I would use is serve. Just serve. serve yeah, there you go. Give. Like, cause you're that's what you're doing. You're serving, you're giving. 
And that's where all the good stuff happens. So, so here's the thing, like all the leaders that we respect. So if you fill in the blank, Martin Luther King, right. Jesus, Nelson Mandela, Mother Teresa, what made right. them great as a leader? What made them great as a leader is they came to serve. Right. They were service oriented. It wasn't about right. considered other people ahead of themselves. The personal economics didn't have to make sense. I mean, I and it was authentic. It was authentic. It was authentic. authentic. I, I'm, yeah, because now we, we can see through that with people, right? That's right. Pat Lanchoni said this to me the other day. He said, people use this term, they say servant leadership. And he says, it always drives me crazy because it insinuates that there's another way to do it. Like hmm. leadership is service. Um, you know, and, and whether you believe in Jesus or you don't believe in Jesus, most people believe that Jesus existed, whether they believe he's a savior, they'd say, they'd say, oh, I still believe he was a good leader of people. Right. Sure. And the scripture is clear that he came to serve. And, and most people would say, well, he's one of the most impactful, if not the most impactful leader to ever walk the planet. And mm -hmm. so, so again, a great model for leadership and back to your question don't you think it's it's more impactful, you know, and it does something in, inward inside of us when we right. give it? The, the answer is yes, because all leadership, all impact is rooted in in service. Um, mm -hmm. Do you believe that to be true? I do, Jordan, and it got to thinking. <laughs> so I was thinking about sports when you were talking, and I went back to a day in high school when I was having a really bad shooting day, and my coach said, Jeff, when you, when you go back out, just focus on defense. Don't even, don't even worry about a shot. So I went out there and I locked down my guy and I, I did all this stuff. And I got back and realized that in between of just really focusing on my defense, I made three baskets Yeah, and I wasn't even trying. And so I guess where I'm going with that is sometimes when we're trying to be leaders, we, what's right in front of us sometimes, you know, can be an illusion. And the opposite can happen as well. Sometimes we can focus on something completely different and do good somewhere else. And that's where I think doing service, doing good, sometimes you don't realize the impact it's having on other people, you know, the, the collateral upside versus the collateral damage, you know, of, of oh, the negative things. So, yeah, I just, I'm addicted to, to service. Um, I get a lot out of it. Uh, I I'm attracted to people that are addicted to service like you and all the other people that I've been so blessed to follow on LinkedIn and, and mm. Facebook. And once you get a community of like-minded people, man, you know, that that's, that's my biggest well to go to when I'm down yeah. is that, that we call it in my day, I called it a Rolodex. I don't know. Do you know what a Rolodex yeah, is? Of course. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> But we used to just, I used to go through, now it's just like, I go to my connections on social, my people I met. Mm. And if I ever get to a point where I'm considering something horrendous, I've got a hundred, hundred people. And it, it, I know you're the same way, man. It's like someone once said, you know, when you get older, your circle of friends gets like a funnel, you know, it gets narrow, narrow, narrow. It's like, mine's an inverse funnel. I'm 56 and I have more, I have more close friends humans in my life, intimate human relationships than I've ever had, mm. ever had. And I'm widowed at 56. You'd think I'd just be sitting here in my basement feeling sorry for myself. It's like, no, I get to talk to people like Jordan Montgomery. that <laughs> shoots me full of adrenaline today. It's like, yeah, well, you know, um, you have to get a lot of what you do too. I mean, you have to get, when you walked off the stage and there's 500 CEOs cheering, or you got a bunch of college athletes that are used to coach speak. 
and they see someone with a lived experience come up, that's got to be super rewarding for you, Jordan. Well, it, it is rewarding. I mean, I think, but at the end of the day here, I learned this lesson um, several years ago. Somebody said to me, uh, you ought to pay attention to the fact that people aren't praising you. You just mentioned this, like walking off the stage. They're not praising you. They're praising uh, the gift inside of you. And hmm. that really hit me hard because, because here, because here's the scary part. We can actually start to be prideful about our service. And um, we or we could be prideful about our, our work in general. And that was me. Like, mm-hmm. I was so prideful, but Hey, look at me. And, and, you know, and, yeah. Um, and, and so I just learned that, Hey, like they're not impressed by you. They don't even know you. Like who are you to think anybody's impressed by you? They, they don't care about you. <laughs> they don't care about you. What they're cheering right. for, what they, what they're connecting with is the gift that's inside of you. Right. Now you've used your gift um, to serve. And it would be easy for somebody to go, wow, Jeff Johnston, you look at all this, you know, look at who he is, this great person that, you know, and so there's so many people that are impressed by you. Um, and then you have a choice, right? It's okay. I can let that go to my spirit, my being and, and my ego. It's, oh, hey, look at all the good I'm doing and people love me and they're following me. Or it's like, no, you know what? I've been given a gift. It was given to me. It could be taken away. And I'm just going to use this gift of, of, and your gift is charisma and charm and connectivity and I mean, that's what allowed you to be so successful in business, right? Is that's Jeff Johnston's gift. And so that gift can go to your ego and your spirit and your being, or it could be, and I'm going to use this to serve and I'm going to bless yeah. a bunch of people. And, and I, I want to say this on the podcast because here's, here's how you know somebody's really interested in service. And I'm thinking about your situation. I would have to guess, and I don't know, right? We've never had a conversation about your, your, your finances. Yeah. But I would have to guess that there's a lot about your situation right now that is totally backwards. And the personal economics do not make sense. That your I would fully agree. Would yep. you agree? And so yeah. when you can look at a person's situation and say, hey, I, I can tell from the way they're living that they don't always need the personal economics to make sense. In fact, go back to Martin Luther King. Nelson Mandela, Mother Teresa, Jesus Christ, just keep going. What did all of those leaders have in common? The personal economics did not make sense. And they didn't need them to make sense. Now, sometimes you win and they make sense and that's fine. Yeah. We're, not, we're not, yep. not being critical of that. That's, you know, right, right. Is real. But but at the end of the day, what I respect so much about your journey is you're you're putting it all on the line. And somebody's looking at you going, what in the hell is that guy doing? Like shouldn't you be <laughs> playing golf or on a beach or like enjoy the, the person in the mirror says that to me every day. <laughs> <laughs> but it's amazing that, that and that's why it's so special, man, is you're on the road. Yeah, I I don't know. I you know and I uh it's amazing. Yeah. It it's been it's been let me let me you know what died inside of me along with my son and my wife? Hmm. My ego. I don't know where it is. I don't identify with it. Um, I am such a completely different human being. And I think I am normal. I'm a, I'm a 56 year old, you know, white heterosexual dad from Iowa. It's like, how much more normal can I be? <laughs> and I don't think I'm doing anything that you wouldn't do. God forbid you have to go through any of this stuff or anyone else watching this show. 
I don't think I, there's anything special. I just think there are certain things I do daily put me in a real good position that heightens my sense of, of emotional confidence for sure. But I don't, I don't think I, I have a secret to anything. Um, I think if people got tested, Jordan, and I know for a fact you agree with this, we can do more than what we think we can do. Oh, yeah. Right? Yeah. So I meet, I meet moms that say, well, I don't know what I'd do if I lost my son. I think, well, I don't say it. I don't say it, but I think it, I think you'd be amazing. I think you would wow. be freaking unstoppable. But I don't say that because I don't, their son hasn't died yet. So I don't want to say that. That sounds terrible. So I think in my mind, wow. I think you, you would be so much, it would, it would elevate you to some place you've never experienced. Wow. So I hope it never happens, but I'm confident that if it ever did, you would be amazing. Wow. That's in my mind when I think about, when I look at people, um, maybe someday I'll say it to somebody, but I don't want to jinx them. It's like, yeah, I just don't want to, I don't want to jinx him and feel like, Oh, don't talk about my son. You know, that way it's like, wow. you know, but Jeff, that that's one of the most powerful things I've ever heard. Like on, on our podcast, being a guest on another podcast, like, cause you're right. I think as a parent and, and I'll say this to you, having lived that experience mm -hmm. with four, four young children, um, that is one of my greatest fears. Every parent, you know, and I think for every parent, right. It's like, and yeah. again, you've, you've lived that. Yeah. Um, and, and yet to hear someone say like, there is so much hope in what you just, in what you just said that, Hey, if you ever did have to go through it, you'd be amazing. And you can say that because you went through it. Right. And you are amazing and you're doing amazing things. And well, you're being proof that life can be yeah. on the other side of, of tragedy, you know? And you know, the other thing I learned, Jordan, and, and, um, and maybe, um, maybe you think this way too. I think you and I have a, we, you and I have a lot of similarities what's in our head um, is when I went around the country, I really went out exploring, like trying to get an idea of what was out there. Mm. And what I came back when I pulled in my driveway, what I really learned was that now when I look at people, you included, I see a story. I see a story. I don't, I don't see a successful businessman. I don't, um, I don't even see a white successful businessman. I don't even see a man. I see a story and I want to get that story out of you. You know, I, I want to hear the story. I want to hear about your struggles at Northwestern mutual. You had, I didn't, sorry, I wasn't supposed to name the company, but you're good. <laughs> I know. Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm sure people could yeah, find out absolutely. if they wanted, but no, I want to hear the story about, about your family, uh, you know, about, um, marrying in and, and having, you know, two children come to the table. I did as well. Prudence had a child when I, when Seth was my stepson. Um, mm. so I can relate to that. Um, but I think, you know, that's like my real calling today isn't what people think it is. And that's to promote this image of being undeterred. It's, I want to hear your story. I want to see mm. Jordan, what are you doing each day to impact the next generation, give them hope. And what are you saying to, mm. you know, the older people, the older generations that are, that are, we can't forget about, you know, like my dad, who's 90, who almost died this summer. It's like, we can't forget about our older generation. There are a lot of them are alone. Mm. You know, what do we do to empower them to still think about a, a life when they're 90, you know, when realistically their life may be in months or years. So, you know, it's, I applaud what you do, man. I, I need to dive more into what you do. I'll have to confess. I, I, I know, I, I think pretty much what you do, but I, I need to watch one of your full presentations or at least 
Do you want to invite me to one? I would go in the front row, dude, and uh, be oh. your biggest fan. I'd love to. I'd love to hear you speak. I really would. Well, I hear nothing but to, good things about your you speech. Any, any, anytime, anytime, and and at some point we need to share share a stage together or or do some sort of um, collaboration because you got a you got a fire inside of you, man. And, and just talking to you is it's interesting because we share a mutual friend, Kenya Murray, who's one of, oh yeah, one of, yep. both of our closest friends. And you know, uh, one of the things that Kenya would say about you is, you know, Jeff always keeps it real, and and I know that you've been just a really loyal friend to Kenyon, but he would also say, uh, and he didn't say it like this, but like when I met you and he connected us, it's like, just, it's like, just a heads up, man, this guy's got a fire. Like he's really, <laughs> he's really passionate. And, and then I remember our first, actually, I don't know if you remember this, one of our first conversations, it might've been the first conversation. I was on a phone with you. You were sharing the story about Seth and you had me in tears. Like I was literally with another grown man who I'd never met in person just crying. I do remember that call on the phone. You remember that? And yep, I do. It just touched me so much. And and you were just, you were man, real and passionate. And so, so the point is at some point you and I will, will do that together. And, uh, I look forward to that day. Yeah. I'd love to have you call into my radio show. Um, yeah. I host the living undeterred mental health hour. I bought an hour of airtime and, um, last night we did addiction in America, which was a great show. Um, uh, but I'd like to have you call in and you and I could come up with a theme I, I normally try to get two or three callers to call in. It's uh, on WMT radio with Doug Wagner, yeah. you know, Doug. Um, and I like to focus on the mental health angle. So you and I just got to put our heads together and come up with a Let's way that you can have a show kind of dedicated to what you do um, and talk uh, from the mental health perspective, you know, which really is everything. Yeah. Let's, mental health. Yeah, I'd be honored. I'd love, I'd love to do that with you. Yeah. I'd, I'd, I'd be real honored. So if people want to learn more about, what you do, maybe they're not a client of yours, or they're not in an environment where they're going to be in the audience for a company meeting or something. How do people reach you? What's the best way to follow you on all the social media platforms? I want to hear about your podcast. Um, maybe before you answer all that, maybe tell you, tell me, tell our listeners a little bit about your podcast. What, what are you trying to accomplish with your podcast? What, what type of people you're getting on your show? Yeah, the podcast is a Montgomery Company's podcast, and so uh, we're about to go through a rebrand. It'll be called uh, Growth Over Goals moving forward, so you can find it everywhere podcasts are available. Uh, you know, like you, we're trying, to, we're trying to pull out a story. We're trying to equip leaders. The tagline of the podcast is we're helping leaders go faster, farther. So we want to accelerate mm. the growth curve and then just feature people from different walks of life. We've had, you know, former NBA, NFL athletes. We've had Super Bowl champions, Olympic medalists, uh, but we've also had just some really average, ordinary people who are um, are uniquely special in their own way, and so it's kind of a it's kind of collection of stories and people from different walks of life. Uh, but I love this work. I love the one to one conversations where you get a. Well, I can tell you do, man, and yeah. it exudes yeah. with every time yeah. you have a conversation. I can see it in your face. Yeah, I really do, and and I think it's because when you're on a podcast, you get to talk about things that matter, like. Mm -hmm. I don't know about you, Jeff. I'm just involved in so many conversations that just really do not matter. They just don't mm -hmm. end up talking about time of day stuff and that's fine. And there's a, there's a place in time for, you know, laughter and all that, but I like being able to get on with Jeff Johnston and dig in on things that really matter. Mm -hmm. And, um, so yeah, man, so that's our podcast. And, and we just say for anybody listening to this message, um, yeah, re reach out. Send us an email. I'm at jordan at montgomerycompanies.com. Pretty active on social media. 
send me a message on Twitter or LinkedIn, Instagram. Let's connect. If I can be helpful, I just say that with my friend hat on. We don't need another client. I mean, we're we're blessed to do a lot of work uh, with clients, and um, uh, but I I just want to be as helpful as I can be to to anybody listening. So um, yeah, appreciate that. Appreciate you uh, uh, having me on, man, and, and and spending some of your valuable time with me. Do you have a book? We're working on it. Yeah, we're in the middle. <laughs> just got the outline finished, uh, and so hopefully. This next fall, it'll be uh, you know finalized and we're ready to roll it out. Looking forward to it. Let me guess, it's going to be on leadership. It's going to be on leadership. <laughs> what a shock! It's going to be on the, the art of encouragement. So the full book will be about yeah empowering and encouraging uh, today's youth. Actually, so we'll have to yeah we'll have a we'll have more to talk about when the book comes out. Who are the top leaders in your life? One is my dad. Um, yeah. just has always been my strongest advocate, cheerleader, still today, my best friend, my older brother, who's also my business partner. We, we share so much in common. Uh, this is going to sound weird. My wife is just, I mean, she's a, she's my, she is my best friend and in so many ways has led me, taught me, um, you know, and as a person of faith, I mean, that, that's important to me too. And, you know, but, mm-hmm. um, so yeah, those are a few. And then, you know, like John Maxwell's been somebody who's really poured into me from afar. I always talk about the mentors, you know, the faraway mentor. I got to meet yeah. last year, which is great. But but yeah, the Ed Milets, the Craig Rochelles, and the Jim Rohns. And I mean, you know, there's that long list of faraway mentors too. Um, so we're the byproduct of those who have come before us, you know? Yeah. Well, listen, I, um, I, I really appreciate taking the time out of your busy schedule. I know, I know. I know I'm busy. I only can imagine how busy you are. <laughs> you always seem to have something going on. And again, I just put you up there on that, that, you know, my Mount Rushmore of humans has like 200, you know, it's not, it's not four, it's 200. So I put you up there because, you know, you're doing something at a, at a pretty, pretty young age. I mean, a lot of this, the, the people I run in kind of the mental health space seem to be maybe 10 years older than you, but you're doing things that, uh, I, I wish I would have realized were important to me at that age, you know, um, you, you know, and the benefit of hindsight, I can look back and I could say, wow, I wish I was doing that at Jordan's age, but I really admire that fact. You have embraced the leadership, uh, angle and, um, kind of come up with your own curriculum, I guess, for lack of a better word, your, your own way to kind of show people how to live an intentional life, you know, the right way to do things, you know, we need more of that today, man. There's just, you know, if you look at going, going back to the kids again, about just all the despair, all the anxiety, all the depression, it's the worst it's ever been. And, um, we just need leaders at all levels, you know, coaches and teachers and uh, neighbors, everybody to really start emulating and leading that intentional life. And, you know, show our kids how to do it right. Not tell them, Amen. show them, right? Well said, well said, brother. Um, well said. And, and hey, you are one of those people. So keep leading from the front. Appreciate who you are and all that you do. Well, listen, man, I, I know we'll work together. I'll get you on the radio show. Uh, I want to talk to you about some other ventures I'm working on that I'm, I'm sure we can collaborate. But um, keep doing what you're doing. And I don't need to tell you this, but I'm going to tell you this. Keep living undeterred. Love you, brother. Thanks for having me. All right, man. We'll talk.